Okay. Thank you, Joey. Good morning, church. It's a beautiful day. So, from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside false gods, turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare to you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be much, they would be too much to declare, too many to declare. My Savior, Redeemer, lifted me from the miry clay. Almighty, forever, I will never be the same, cause you came near from the everlasting to the world we live, the Father's only
And you rose again on high And you opened the way With the world to live again Hallelujah For all you've done And you lived And you died And you rose again on high And you So from Daniel, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So Jesus is the King of Kings. Not, not that one. Jesus is the King of Kings, our ruler, and he has the authority over heaven and earth. He who sits at the right hand of the Father will judge all of us when our time comes. He has proven his love for all of us by, become, by coming to earth and becoming human to open a path to heaven for us. His sacrifice resounds with nature and makes Satan crazy with hatred and fear. He will cast the serpent into the fiery pit and will be glorified forever. Amen. to see worship his majesty unto Jesus be your glory honor and praise majesty kingdom authority flow from his throne to his own his anthem reigns so exalt lift up on high the name of Jesus magnify come glorify Christ Jesus the King majesty Worship His Majesty, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. So we exalt, lift up on high, 
by a preacher named John Newton, the curator of Olney in Buckinghamshire. Um, I'm sure that the British have a shorter way of saying that word, Buckinghamshire, um, in, in England. Newton was a former slave trader and seaman. He, in his former life, was known for disobedience, debauchery, profanity, and he was opposed to God in living well. He received a message from God during a storm at sea where his ship was almost sunk, and he more or less declared, God help us during the storm. And the thought of his exclamation struck him for several weeks afterwards. One thing led to another, and Mr. Newton was ordained. He and his wife, Polly, went all in in the church community, and eventually he took up the anti-slavery cause. Amazing Grace was less about slavery and more about the grace he received which saved him spiritually. The song is literally a juggernaut in the U.S. and is sung over 10 million times a year. He's, it's been recorded by many singers and bands and reworked several times, including this version here. It's a beautiful and simple song that evokes meaning in almost every soul that reads it or sings it. I once was lost and now am found, was blind and now I see. Simple, poignant, and true, right to the heart of many of us in our journey through our faith. So sing with us, please. sweet the sound that saves the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to Where my hope set 
of reading together, if you would. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Yep, this is an invitation to all peoples of the world. All peoples of the world to take up our God's cause and to praise him and to join the worship in praise. The shortest verse in the Psalter, the shortest song, it has great meaning, especially for Gentiles. Paul uses phrase to invite them to be full member, members in the body of Christ. So praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise the Lord. And that's what we're going to do, amen? As we um, go into corporate prayer, I'm going to ask for uh, the two people who are going to help with the, the offering today. 
You know, Angel, when I do a corporate prayer, um, I, I really struggle with it because today I really feel, feel led to lift you up in corporate prayer. And that's not because I'm afraid of what you're going to preach, okay? <laughs> S- simply because I know that servants of the Lord sometimes need encouragement. All right? All right. So we're going to pray for Angel today, and uh, then we'll pray for the offering. Angel, why don't you come up? Let's pray. Oh, Father, it's good to stand together with a a co-worker of the kingdom. Father, um, I'm not sure how Angel does it, but you do. You know it. You know his heart. And Father, between working a a full-time job that's more than full-time and actually uh, ministering where you call him, I want to lift up my brother to you just to encourage him, give him strength. And Father, continue, continue to give him great insight through the Holy Spirit of your word. Father, uh, every time he preaches, we, we know we've been with Jesus. And help us, Holy Spirit, to apply what we learn. So I'm going to ask for prayer for my brother that, Lord, you continue to provide for all his needs, that you would protect his family, that you would continue to lift him and uphold him. And, Father, I I pray for his health also, Father, that you, you would just superintend all of that. And Father, as we continue to pray, we pray that as we give our tithes and offerings, you would be honored and glorified. May we give voluntarily with joy. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Over the years, Angel has been a dear brother. And uh, over those years, I learned a lot from Angel. And he comes today, his heart prepared by God to to minister to you. Uh, He's a great man. He he is not only a great man, but uh, Angel lives what he preaches. How do I know that? Because I know some people who work with him. And if you ever want to know somebody's true character, ask a coworker. Or ask a wife, right? <laughs> and uh, I can tell you that Angel is a man of integrity. So as he comes up to share from uh, the Gospel of Luke, I just want to ask that you would give him a warm welcome, please. Good morning. 
It is so, so good to be here once again with my family in South Jersey, right? Uh, yeah, today, seeing how it's Pastor's Appreciation Day, it's, uh, you know, when heaven sees these things, I tell people, you know, when they walk this journey out, I always tell them, you know, just put the brakes on and think about what you're about to do because everything you do and say is recorded in heaven. Uh, the book of Revelation uh, speaks about that. It talks about, and the books were opened. And so those books, you know, there are things that are being written regarding our personal history. Um, and it's just interesting because if you're a reader like me, and if you ever get into the reading of... Uh, you know, the journey of Ulysses and his whole thing in the Greek tragedy and the Greek writings, you see his up and downs. And so all of us have our ups and downs, and heaven knows that. They know that we have our peaks and our valleys. They, heaven knows that we go through our valley of tears. It knows that we go through our mountains of victory. And so, you know, what heaven is always watching is to see uh, even in our lowest times, are we still choosing, you know, do we still have that spark in us to still choose Christ, even when we fail, you know? That's, what, that's the real fight of faith, and that's what Paul was always teaching us and encouraging us. It's not that we're not going to fail. He teaches us, and Jesus teaches us, oh, no, you're going to fail and fail quite a number of times, um, to the point where he told Peter, he says, yeah, the crock is... The cock is not going to crow three times until, you know, you deny me or crow until you deny me three times. And Peter's like, yeah, not me. Uh, we're homeboys, Jesus. Come on. No, it's not going to happen. And what happened? It happened, right? It happened. But I, I like the fact that it says it happened. Not that it's happening. It happened, right? But praise God that when we do take moments like this to honor the servant of God, it just, you know, it blesses the congregation because when you honor God's servant uh, and you recognize that the Lord did place his servant to minister to you and how you treat his servant, well, guess what? It opens the floodgates of so much favor and grace on your own personal lives. You know, a lot of times we don't think about the fact that, you know, certain favor and certain grace that we see in our personal life is a result of how we have honored the servant of God in our lives, you know. And so I remember one time, and I'll get into the message, but I remember one time I was going through a, a season of growth, and, you know, uh, my pastor and I, my spiritual father and I, we were just, you know, having our friction in our relationship. But, you know, of course, you know, that happens between a father and a son. You know, uh, he's my spiritual father, but uh, I regard him as a father. And so I remember the Lord one day taking me to the book of Genesis of when after the flood, Noah's three sons and how they reacted when they saw their father's vulnerability. And two of them covered him, and the third one took advantage. And the Lord asked me a question, and he says, well, he says, who received the blessing and who received the curse? And I was like, oh, I see what you're saying. He says, yeah, because even though you may see vulnerabilities and imperfections, uh, you know, you still have to honor that individual, you know, because that's how you maintain that blessing over your head. 
And it's so it helped me during a season of growth. So I want to thank you for this day, for doing this, and also for inviting me. So with that, now that I have your attention, right, uh, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 18. We're going to read from verse 35 to 43. Okay, I'll read it from the screen. And it says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Thank you. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for your grace and your presence and for the sending of Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for the sending of the Holy Spirit that makes this day possible, that makes to live this life possible. Lord, we honor you today, and we thank you so much for your written word. Father, I just ask now that you bless every hearer today. Bless their hearts. Lord, bless their insight. Bless their imagination and their ability to discern and perceive. Father, I ask this in the mighty name of your Son, your precious, beloved Son, Jesus. And I ask, O oh Lord God, that your Spirit, O oh Lord God, bless them today. Strengthen them. Renew their minds. Lord God, and strengthen their souls and minister to their hearts. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, as we see today, the title of the message is called, Now That I Have Your Attention. It's interesting how uh, there are so many things that are happening in the world today and so many things that are just making our heads spin that basically they're calling to our attention. Uh, the Lord was talking to me this week about external stimuli and how the external stimuli factor of our brain or the part that, you know, stimulizes our brain, uh, what it does to us, it causes us to focus our attention in whatever is producing that stimulation so that this way we end up putting our sight upon that particular thing or that person so that maybe there is something that we can draw from there, something that at the end of it all, you know, uh, like my son who wrote a paper this week, his college paper, uh, was talking about the addiction to social media. And in his paper, he was talking about the fact of how uh, the different parts of the brain uh, that are affected, you know, the fact that the dopamine and, you know, the endorphins and all these chemicals that are released upon the external stimuli that affect us. And so it's interesting how today in reading the text, uh, you know, we see that it says that there was a blind man in Jericho, right? 
and that he was begging. Uh, if you take notice, it says that he was blind and he was begging. So we see two things there. We see the fact that he was incapacitated physically, but also we see that in his personal economics, he was also affected. So now we see a man whose life is broken. He is broken uh, physically. He is broken, you know, financially uh, to the point where now they would put him every day on this road because travelers would come down this road in Jericho. And so in passing by, uh, you know, these people would just beg. And so they would beg. And so with that, in their begging, they would actually try to some, somehow uh, stimulate uh, the compassion in a person so that they could receive benefit. If we go through the history of Scripture and we uh, examine Jericho, uh, I'm sure if you're a Bible student or, you know, if you go back to when you were a child and they taught you about the walls of Jericho come tumbling down, right? It's interesting because in Jericho, you know, there is this wall, right? So much so that the wall was so great, you know, Hollywood, of course, likes to water everything down and they just like to think it's just brick and mortar. But the actual wall of Jericho was such that they used to have chariot races on this wall. That's how great this wall was, okay? Um, so when you go further in and you see that the obstacle of Jericho was to deter people to don't look beyond this. It is basically to impede you of seeing beyond this. You see the wall, that's all you're going to see. Don't look beyond this, right? And so this wall would call people's attention, all the travelers, all the armies, they would see this impregnable wall, and that would call their attention, and they would say, there's no way anybody can get in there, right? And so this obstacle or this object would call their attention. But it's interesting because our God, who teaches us, right, that the scripture says that faith cometh by what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith enables us to look beyond the wall. Faith enables us to get a perspective that looks beyond those things that are basically trying to impede us. And so, therefore, faith is what calls our attention. But behind that faith is the author of faith because the author of faith is the one that has to get your attention first. There is no greater person in all the universe that can get your attention than God. In Judaism, they teach that it is impossible for Jesus to be God because how does the immaterial God, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, transcendent being of the universe, how can he become flesh and contain himself inside this bottle called the human body? But that is the greatness of our God, that he does have the power to do something like that. In this particular account, we see that the beggar is sitting, and while he is sitting, he hears something. And he hears the multitude going by, and he hears, you know, a group of people, as how you want to imagine. And as he hears something, it calls his attention. It's interesting because we are hearing so many things right now in the news media, right? I try not to watch too much of it because, like I said, the purpose of it is to stimulate your brain, to get you to release certain chemicals, just as there are chemicals that cause you to feel joyful and cause you to feel happy. And that's why so many people right now in the premise of philosophy and psychology, they're trying to come up with the modus operandi to find out how can I be happy every day? And that's just not biblical. It's just not biblical, you know? 
the scripture does say something in the book of Proverbs that laughter maketh the heart merry, right? So therefore, if you're going to do anything, find something that makes you laugh, right? And, you know, there are interesting things regarding that because it's just like we all have this perception of what garners our attention so that that can make us laugh. But with that being said, I can tell you this. When God has your attention, something is going to happen in your favor, when he has your attention. And the thing about it is, is that we see this man and he is trying to discern what this noise is until finally he asks a question and he says, what's going on? What's going on? And they say to him, oh, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. That grabs his attention. But the interesting note about this is that God had his attention first. The times we live in, they are trying to downplay Jesus and downplay God to the point where they're just trying to basically fixate Jesus in the crowd as something that just doesn't get your attention anymore. They are trying to basically tell the church, well, you have a lot of people who are leaving the church. And so, you know, I guess the church is not that powerful and the church has nothing to offer. Oh, yes, we do have something to offer. And his name is Jesus. And he is the all powerful and the almighty. He is the one who conquered sin and death and rose from the grave. He is the one in which all the powers of darkness are subjected to him. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that to at no time did the father say to any angel, sit here at my right hand while I make your enemies your footstool. No one has gotten that honor in all of heaven or in all the universe. See, I like to brag about my Lord because like Paul said, if you're going to boast in something, boast about Jesus. You really want to see devils leave your house? Boast about Jesus every day. You really want to see some dramatic spiritual growth take place in your life? Boast about Jesus. Why am I saying that? Because we live in a time that we, in our faith, have to demonstrate to God that we still have the faith that grabs God's attention. Because here was God in the flesh, moving in the crowd, the people said to Bartimaeus, which is his name, if you go into the Gospel of Mark, uh, they say to him, oh, it's just Jesus of Nazareth. But Bartimaeus turns around and he says, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. It's interesting because the interjection of what we see there is while the people were seeing Jesus Okay, as just this young rabbi who was just doing miraculous works and saying, it's the kid from the South Bronx, you know, that area called Nazareth, you know, uh, you know, oh, oh, no, he's not from the South Bronx. He's from Brooklyn, you know, it's, it's that Jesus kid, that Jesus, you know, it's that kid, you know, it's nothing about him. There's nothing exciting about him. Um, Bartimaeus lets us know, no, this is the one that they prophesied about that would sit upon the throne of David, his father, forever. This is the one that would restore the nation of Israel. This is the one that God himself prophesied of in the book of Genesis. No, you don't understand what I am seeing. 
What has my attention in this time, my brothers and sisters, is the fact that many who are downplaying Jesus just like this crowd by saying, oh, he was just a teacher. Oh, another philosopher. Oh, it's just some guy claiming to be God. Some guy claiming to have this transformative power uh, to be able to impart the Holy Spirit to you, whatever that is, and he can change you. Well, you know, to those that say that, you are so wrong. He is not just Jesus of Nazareth. He is the son of David. He is the son of God. He is the prince of peace. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the star of David, the root of Jesse. He is the branch of Jacob. He is God almighty. He is the risen one. In the book of Revelation, he is the one who stands in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He is the bright one who turned to John. And John said that when he saw him, he fell as one dead. That is who this is. He is just not another person. He is just not another person that came here and passed time and left. No, no, no. He is the son of David who came here to do works. He is the son of David. David knocked down Goliath, but Jesus knocked down death itself. Jesus, the giant killer, that's who he is. There are different giants out there. There is the giant of depression. There is the giant of social injustice. There is the giant of uh, economic oppression. There is the giant of cancer. There is the giant of lupus. There is the giant of paralysis. There is the giant of blindness. There are so many different giants. And Jesus has the power and the authority to defeat them all. That is why when we see him rise up and walk out of the grave, we see him as the conquering king. He had to conquer not just things on earth, but he had to conquer things on a cosmic level. He had to conquer everything in the heavens and on earth and below the earth. That is why some people, they struggle with the fact that they say, well, Jesus never went down. Oh, yes, he did, because he had to fulfill the prophecy, even to the point of conquering things down below the earth. I don't know about you, if you've ever read Dante's Inferno, but one of my favorite lines uh, in that book is when they, uh, the, the protagonist or the person that Dante is writing about, he asks the question after he enters into hell. And he says, has anyone ever left here? Has anyone ever conquered this place? And they said, only one has actually walked out of here. And I say, oh, so now you're really talking about Jesus. He went in and walked out. That is the God that you serve. God is trying to get the church's attention because the times are trying to tell us you have nothing. The times are trying to blind our faith, Pastor. The times are trying to darken our perspective of Jesus. The times are trying to lift up a wall like Jericho and tell us you have to put your hope in man. You have to put your hope in political systems. You have to put your hope in this and in that. No, we who put our hope in Jesus Christ are never ashamed because that is what Paul says, that so whoever believeth in him shall never be ashamed. And so all of a sudden we see him walking through the crowd and he starts to cry out. 
Because now God has Bartimaeus' attention. Bartimaeus just, it's interesting because think about it, he's blind. The crowd could see. But Bartimaeus could see before he could see. Excuse me, say that again. <laughs> Bartimaeus could see before he could see. He could see before he could see. And those that had eyes could not see before they could see. And all of a sudden, they're saying, it's just Jesus of Nazareth. Be quiet. Just let him keep walking. That is what the world wants us to do. They just want us to miss our opportunity on the move of God. And they just want us to just basically escort Jesus, be good little boys and girls, and just let him go on his way. And just lift up hands and say, I believe in Jesus, and let him go. No, there comes a time where the church has to cry out to him and get God's attention. We can get God's attention. Well, the question is, Pastor, are you saying then that God doesn't see everything? Yes, he does see everything. It is that when the move of God takes place in our life, we have to understand that it is an opportunity for us to step into a new sphere of growth so that therefore when the times begin to test us and tell us you need to stop this Christian thing. You need to give up this thing already. You need to stop believing in this Jesus already because it's not working. Look at you. You're suffering. Look at you. You're in depression. Look at you. Oh, look, didn't you just get that diagnosis from the doctor? When are you going to give that Christian thing up? That is what the world wants you to do. But Christ teaches us, no, it's time to cry out and it's time to cry out even more. Even if you are not the individual being affected, one of the things that the Holy Spirit taught me in my growth was the power of intercession. Because sometimes what takes place is that the individual who was going through the valley of tears is so broken, they cannot lift up their voice to God. Because the brokenness is so great that they just cannot bring that up. They, they cannot bring it up. Because everything is being challenged. Faith is being challenged. Everything that they've been taught regarding God and how to live an ordered life and how to live a life so that bad things don't come. You know, uh, I think that Brother Job, when we find ourselves with him, he will look at us and say, oh, no, it doesn't work that way. Because if anything, the ones who the enemy likes to attack the most are the ones who try to live that orderly life in God. The ones who try to love their enemies, the ones who try to do the good things for their neighbor, even if their neighbor hates them, those are the ones that the enemy goes after. And so all of a sudden, they're telling, they're telling Bartimaeus, shh, be quiet already. Just shut up. <laughs> what does he do? He cries out even more. I cannot let this just go by. I can't let Jesus just walk through here without him doing something in Jericho. Something has to happen in Jericho. Bartimaeus teaches us that when Jesus then, <laughs> it says in the scripture that when he heard him, he stopped. Just recently, I preached a message in regards to who are these people that stopped Jesus on the road. And it was in reference to the Good Samaritan. Because it says that the Levite walked by, then it says the priest walked by, but it says the good Samaritan stopped. That's who our God is. He is the God that there are certain things that get his attention that he cannot just keep going. 
The Christian life teaches us there are certain things that have to get our attention to the point where we just can't just keep going. We have to stop. We have to imitate what the master has done, and we have to stop care for people. We have to stop in what we do and examine ourselves and say, am I just ignoring this? Am I allowing the times to make me numb? Because the pain is so overwhelming that I just don't know how to process all these things that are taking place. And that is when the Holy Spirit is teaching us, yes, you can stop right here on the road, just like your master. You can stop like him and you can intercede. Because you will be heard. That's what the devil does not want you to believe. He wants us to believe, well, let's go through the checklist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because there are those that think that Christianity is based on a weekly checklist. Right, Pastor? Okay, let's see. Sunday, went to church. Check. Uh, Monday, kissed my wife before I left to work. Check. Well, that's optional. So, let's see. <laughs> right? All right. Uh, I said good morning to my coworkers. Uh, let's see here. Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, I did the laundry. Yeah, check. I did that. Uh, you know, and so it becomes a checklist. And then all of a sudden, when we're facing the crisis or the situation, the enemy just pulls that out and says, well, let's see how you did. And then he bases our faith based on these checklists that we have created. Because when we create these checklists, what happens? We completely take our eyes away from the grace of God. And so all of a sudden, we're struggling in these places And we cannot see beyond the wall, beyond Jericho. We cannot see the fact that he is that good, that even when I fail him, which is every day, even when I come short of the glory of God, which is every day, that my lips can't cry out to him and say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. One of the the most powerful prayers that Jesus Uh, prayed was when he said father I thank you because you always hear me wasn't our it wasn't a half hour it was something so simple and he said father I thank you because you always hear me guess what he hears all of us that's how valuable all of you are and that's how valuable all your prayers are in that he hears you and that you have the authority and the power through Christ And the grace, according to Hebrews, as it says, that now we can boldly come to the throne of grace and ask for help in a time of need. That we have the attention. I like how the Greek puts it. The actual Greek says, we have the audience of God. That's what it says. The audience of God. When you read the scripture, it actually says we have the audience of God. That is to mean that with all the angels flying around the throne of God, And all the worship and everything that is taking place and everything taking place in the universe and on the earth. Guess what? The moment you begin to cry out to him, he is listening to you with such intent. Because the fact is, is that God knows the actual need of the human soul to be heard by its creator. And that is something that will not fall on deaf ears. 
That is why when we see Jesus at the cross and he is actually doing spiritual warfare, I know some people have completely gone left with that thing and just gone, it just completely mystical and crazy in the teaching of spiritual warfare. Jesus is on the cross and he is engaged in spiritual warfare for our very souls. And what is he doing? He is praying. And while he is praying, he is maintaining the attention of his father for us. My goodness. And he maintains it to the point where he is the approved sacrifice for all humanity. So that when we go before the throne of God, we who have been now washed through the blood of Jesus, we have God's attention more than any seraphim, more than any cherubim, more than any principality, any prince in the universe, any king on earth who has lived, is living, and shall live, we, the children of God, have his attention. And we have his attention even with all the imperfections that we struggle with. Because Bartimaeus was struggling with his physical imperfection. I can't see, but I love what happens. It says Jesus heard him and he stopped. And he says, bring that man to me. They bring Bartimaeus to Jesus. And now Jesus... Because Bartimaeus has his attention, Jesus now asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? Imagine <laughs> that Jesus poses a question, and I've had these from students. They say, what are you, why does Jesus ask questions? Does that mean that he doesn't know the answer? No, he knows the answer. He wants to know, do you know the answer? Of course, in higher schools of learning, they say, oh, no, he was uh, using Socratic uh, questioning methods and it's like no because Jesus is the word and he is he who was he who is and he who shall be forever if anything uh, Jesus is the one that invented that type of questioning you know and so uh, when we look at what is taking place he asks him a question what do you want me to do for you I have your attention Bartimaeus and you have mine where is this conversation going to lead us to? Because at that moment, Bartimaeus could have said, because remember I said in the beginning that he was suffering from something physical and from something in his personal finances economically because he would beg and ask for money to sustain himself. He could have said, you know what? How about if you just set me up financially for the rest of my life? And he doesn't ask for the money. Because what would have valued him to have all the money and still be blind? How many of us know people that have money, but spiritually they're blind? So Bartimaeus teaches us when it comes time to answer the master's question, and now that you have his attention, because you've been crying out to him in your prayers, whether you've been praying for people in your family or praying over situations, you do have his attention. And there are times where people say, Pastor, you know, it's just that he just is not answering my prayer, uh, you know, Pastor. I said, no, he is listening to your prayer. The question is, are you ready to actually hear what he's about to say in answer to your prayer? Is your heart prepared? Because many times, I don't know if this has happened to you, how many of us have gone into prayer, right, and asked God for something, and all of a sudden, like as the hours pass by, this moment of clarity comes over us, and we're like, why did I ask them that? 
maybe I should perfect the prayer and I should ask him this instead. You know that that's actually the Holy Spirit helping you? Helping you to rework your prayer? Because it's not that he's saying, I don't want to hear what you're saying. No, it's not that. Because as a father, the Holy Spirit is actually saying, my child, I'm teaching you how to ask. Because many have taken the doctrine of prayer and they have completely just distorted and said, ask him whatever you want. Because the scripture says, well, you know, uh, he will give you the desires of your heart. Yes, but you know what? In the actual Greek, in the Hebrew, you know what it's saying? He will give you the desires. And then from the desires that he deposits in your heart, because they're not yours, they're his. Then he will answer those desires. Because what you desire is unto your flesh. What he desires is unto the spirit. So when he looks into your heart and he sees that you have a desire, he has to rework the desire. And now he has to partner with you and put his desire inside of you so that this way you could reciprocate the desire back to him. Beautiful. Because you would say, why would he do that? Because he wants to answer your prayer. That's why. And the beauty about this is, is that when he is listening to us with such intent, I mean with such intent, and he sees that we ask like children, and he sees that we are limited in our perspectives due to the nature of our growth, our maturity, and where we are in the capacity of our understanding, he gives us that time. Keep crying out. I'm going to answer your prayer. Just keep crying out. Just keep crying out. I may, to you, I may be moving in the crowd. To you, I may be moving through the scriptures and you just don't know what to ask for. But you have my attention. You have my attention because that's what I'm on the throne for. I am on the throne for the sake so that when you cry to me, you have my undivided attention. And so all of a sudden he says, Lord, that I may see. What a great, great thing to ask for. In the times that we live in, if there is something that we should include in our daily prayers, is Lord, help me see. Lord, help me see. It's interesting because this whole premise of these scriptures start off with what? A man heard something. Now he shifts from hearing to seeing. Lord, I heard you were walking by, and I couldn't pass this opportunity up because, Lord, I could see through the crowd that you're the healer. I can see through the crowd and all the people that are telling me to give up this thing called Christianity and give up this thing called crying out to God and believing in you that you answer prayer. Lord, I could see. I could see that, that you could help me see because if, you, if, if, if I continue here, Without the sight that I need, I'll end up stuck in Jericho. I won't be able to look past the times. While everybody is talking about how dark the times are, Lord, I won't be able to tell the people, no, it's that Jesus is coming soon. 
while everybody is talking about what are we going to do, what is going to happen, and everybody is just calling each other's attention, Lord, I will be able to, in the middle of the crowd, I will be able to shout over all those voices in society, and I will be able to cry out to you in praise and in worship to get your attention so that this way people can see that you still are the miracle maker. You still are the Lord God that heals. You still are the Lord God who restores. You still are the Lord God who saves. You still are the Lord God that regenerates the mind and the heart. We need Bartimaeus in our time period. We need him so badly because with Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus then challenges me to examine what are you really looking at and what has your attention? What is it that has your attention? Because now if we think about it in the past three years, we're going into three years now with the whole COVID experience, right? There are so many things that have called our attention, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that they're distractions. They are all distractions. I won't get into, you know, uh, I'm not one of those preachers that likes to mix a little bit with the politics and stuff like that. I like to present more current events and let you be the judge of those things. But with this being said, it is the question is what is it that has our attention because when it comes to God dealing with his people God always calls his people and calls them in such a degree to as to get their attention why so that their voices don't get silent during a dark time because there are so many people right now that need to hear Bartimaeus crying out do you know that every time that you begin to testify about Jesus, whether at home or in the workplace or in your place of vocation, you know that you're a type of Bartimaeus? That while people are trying to tell you, well, this is never going to change and this is always going to be like that, you can actually say, no, the one who changes all things is coming. He is coming. Just recently in, in seeing um, certain reports, even people who are not saved, they are starting to lean more towards now seeing what the scriptures say. And they are actually, they don't want to acknowledge the prophecies that are being fulfilled. But they're saying now, well, this is interesting because now there are certain things that are taking place that we cannot deny that the Bible has talked about. And God is getting the world's attention. I know that one day all of you in here myself included, because this is about inclusiveness in the body of Christ. There was a day that God got your attention. I don't know how God went about getting your attention, but he did it because he loves you. One of the things about parenting that I find so, so, so challenging is that uh, when God has to get my attention so as to give my children direction, and sometimes, you know, you get that little voice in your ear. They're just kids. Just let them grow up. I let them go through that experience. It's like when I was a little boy and I was around the age between eight and nine. And uh, I remember I wanted to learn boxing because there were like five of us in a little group that we all grew up together. And so one day I remember that. One of the kids in the group, we, we didn't see him for like about a week, a week and a half. And everybody was like, where is he? Until one of the kids says, oh, he's at the boxing gym. I said, what? He said, yeah, his uncle's a prize fighter, professional prize fighter. And he's learning how to box. So, of course, like a Little Rascals episode, right? 
we all were like, oh, let's go to the gym. Let's all be boxers, right? So we all went, right? And here we are. And I tell you, it's just like the little rascals. It's the funniest thing. So here we were, all these kids under 10 years old. We're here at the gym. All these men walking by, right? And all doing their boxing training. And uh, so I told my mom, I remember the first day I went back. I said, Mom, I'm going to be a boxer. And my mom was like, they're going to hit my baby in his face. <laughs> you know? So then all of a sudden, right, uh, you know, I started to go the first day, then the second day, then the third day. And my mom, she really got worried, and she went to my father, and she said, I think he's really serious about this, and they're going to break his face and this and this. And my father said, ah, just let the kid go. And she's like, why? He says, don't worry. The first hit in the face, and you'll see. That'll all come to an end. <laughs> right? So what happened? So the day came where a friend of mine, whose name is James, right, um, he came into the ring. We both had the spar that day. So the rules are in boxing, right, in engagement. You, know, you tap gloves, and then that's it. You spread out, and you start to fight, right? Those are the rules of engagement. Well, James, of course, wanted to prove his manliness at nine years of age, right? <laughs> James decides that he decides that he's going to tap gloves and from here just sock me right in the face. So he does so, and at that time I found out how many lights were in the ceiling. <laughs> you know, because I started to count the lights in the ceiling, so that lets you know he laid me out of my back. So needless to say, my boxing career ended that day. All right? So the thing about it is, is that my father told my mom, I told you, right? <laughs> Right, <laughs> There are moments in which, you know, in the Christian life where we step into a ring, right? A ring of which we're not prepared for. And the Lord lets us know. You know, he lets us know in such a loving way as the father that he is. And so we step in and it's not until something gets our attention, right? That then through that, it's not that he's chastising us. It's that he's telling us, I want to do this with you. I don't want you to go through this alone. Because at the end of the scripture, in verse 43, it says this. If you could put verse 43 up back for me, please. And it says, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, interesting, Bartimaeus is blind. The people couldn't see Jesus, who he really was, right? But all of a sudden, when they see the blind man now that he can see, now the people could see. And it says, when all the people saw it, they also praised God. The recovery of sight wasn't just for Bartimaeus. It was for everyone. And all that took place because God got the attention of one man. So that through that one man, he could get God's attention in a crowd and through that receive a miracle. And the miracle, like I said, if there is one thing that we're going to ask Jesus for, or one of the many things to be inclusive in our prayer, let us ask him every day, Lord, renew my sight. Renew my sight so that it is fixed on you every day, every day. Because if I keep my eyes on you, you'll always have my attention. God bless you.
great word. Praise God. Thank you. Were you blessed by Angel? You know, um, Angel, I've said this before. uh, At at, uh, patriotic events, many times we sing, God bless America. But it's time America start blessing God, right? And then people might say, then people might say, so... I'm going to ask uh, our praise people to come up, and uh, I can't help but think that Bartimaeus experienced a new freedom by saying. He experienced a new freedom produced by the love of a Savior, and at the cross, we were offered a new freedom. The freedom from being a slave to sin. And the freedom for the first time to obey Jesus. So we are truly free. No matter what's going on anywhere, we are truly free. Amen? Amen. We just stay in the same place.
Father, thank you so much, O oh Lord, for your presence that is here. And Father, I just ask, O oh Lord God, that the shalom of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, bless each and every one of your children that are here present. May they prosper throughout their week. May their families, O oh Lord God, be shielded and protected by the presence of God. May the angels of the Most High God watch over them in the night and in the day. May their health, O oh Lord God, be sustained by your grace and your love. I bless them and I declare in Jesus' name that they are your children, washed and redeemed by the blood of your Son, Jesus, filled with your Holy Spirit, and they are the inheritors, O oh Lord God, of eternal life. I declare this blessing over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.